Yo, what's up everyone? Welcome to episode 47 of Crime and Court USA. I'm recording this on November 15, 2023. I'm your host, Mundo Carrillo. Yes, I am bringing back the Crime and Court USA. So, it's been over a year. Yeah, I think I last published one of these last August. So, if you guys have been following me for a while, you guys know that I started Crime and Court USA. And then I did that for a while, 46 episodes, right? And then I changed the name of the podcast to Mundo's News Program because I wanted to, I guess, just have a, be able to have more variety. If I didn't want to cover a crime story, if I want to cover other stuff, I want to be able to do that, right? So I changed the name, but relatively kept it the same. Turns out, though, I I thought that would be easier to do. Turns out it's actually harder to do (laughs) when you don't have a focus. They say that when you start a podcast that you should keep it very specific. And I I did that at first, but then I, again, I changed it to be more broad and I thought I'd be able to succeed. Not so much. (laughs) You do kind of need to pick a a niche. I'm going to say niche. I know some people say niche or whatever, niche. I, um, I used to cover crime and criminal justice for the Albuquerque Journal in New Mexico for nearly six years. So this is just kind of my thing, man. And I I think I'm going to stick with it. I think crime and the criminal justice system is very interesting. So I'm just going to just gonna stick with it, man. Why not? It was working before. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. So I, I appreciate you guys being on this podcast journey with me. <laughs> Sorry about all the back and forth. But anyhow, Crime and Court USA is back, baby. Let's get, in, let's get into some news, shall we? So late last week. I almost sound, sound like I said light. Late last week. Some former New Mexico State men's basketball players were charged with sexual crimes, and this comes after a couple of lawsuits were also filed by former players and one of their parents against the school in regards to sexual crimes allegedly committed by former players on the team. So Kim Aiken Jr., Dr. Bradley, Doctor, sounds like he was trying to play doctor. <laughs> That's not funny. All right, so Kim Aiken Jr., Dr. Bradley, and Deshandre Washington were each charged with criminal sexual penetration, criminal sexual contact, and false imprisonment. Several charges each of those crimes. They are accused of holding down other players and student staff members while violently, well, sorry, quote, violently grabbing their genital area, end quote. And that's according to a report from KTSM TV in El Paso. So New Mexico State University, the bitter rival of my alma mater, the University of New Mexico, is in Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is down not too far from El Paso, Texas. So the El Paso media does cover the school. So they were the first to report on this story as far as I could tell. So yeah, this is this is the latest, j- just the latest in, in a string of horrible events <laughs> around the program. I mean, this, this is just a mess over this last year. And it started roughly a year ago. So let's go back in time, shall we, to last year. So at last year's UNM-NMSU football game, another heated rivalry between two teams that are absolutely horrible, there was a fight in the stands. The game was in Las Cruces last year, and there was a fight in the stands. So fast forward to basketball season, okay? The New Mexico State men's basketball team travels to Albuquerque to play UNM, and one of their players, one of New Mexico State's players, Mike Peak, I guess uh, he's texting or messaging this girl who goes to UNM, and he, uh, in the middle of the night, it's like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., something like that. He goes over to campus. He, he leaves the hotel, which, of course, you're not supposed to do when you're in town for a basketball game. You know, he goes 
I guess for you know, a little some something, I guess. That's what he was looking forward to, of course. It was a setup. All right. It was revenge for the fight that happened during the football game. So UNF student Brandon Travis, it was all, I guess, orchestrated by him. He wanted a revenge against Peak. And so he set him up with this girl. It was a trap. He comes over and Travis starts shooting at Peak. Peak had a gun on him, so which is also a big no-no when you're traveling on a sports trip. So he, he pulls out his gun. He shoots back at Travis and he kills Travis. Travis, I believe, I'm sorry, Brad, yeah, Brandon Travis. So Travis dies at the scene, I believe. And there's a shootout you can see out of the cameras um, by a dorm building <laughs> that I, I definitely recognized. So yeah, just right out there where students were sleeping, there was, there was a shootout. And Peek was actually never charged with a crime because they determined it was self-defense, but he nonetheless was kicked off the team. And it, it, was, it was a whole thing. I mean, the team like left Albuquerque and went back to Cruces. Of course, the game was canceled, obviously. So the team went back to Cruces without even talking to the cops. So the, the state police had to stop them on their way. Uh, Las Cruces and Albuquerque are about three hours apart. There were allegations. I'm not sure whatever came of this, but there were allegations that some coaches were hiding the gun because it was, you know, it was evidence of a crime and that they were helping out the players or the player peak who, uh, you know, shot somebody. <laughs> so there were allegations that the, that the coaches were taking part in sort of a cover up as well. I don't know whatever came of that. But anyways, coaching staff got completely demolished. The coach, the head coach was fired. Not too long after that, players left. You know, then, then lawsuits came. And then now this. Now, now this is completely different from that. So it was just a horrible, just horrible sequence of events. Because then, I don't know, it wasn't long after the shooting that these, uh, that the sexual stuff came out. So yeah, not a, not a great time for NMSU men's basketball, which is a shame because they were okay. I guess they would normally win the whack, which was pretty whack. Not, not a great conference. You know, they're going up against schools that I never even heard of, but they were pretty good for that conference and they would go to the tournament because for you know by default for winning their conference but a couple of years ago they did actually win the first round game and they got smoked by i believe gonzaga in the second round well i don't think they got smoked i think it was a close game so they used to be like a respectable program they used to be unm you know they used to go back and forth unm hasn't been that great in a while but it's a huge 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 fall from grace for the nmsu men's basketball program and here we go and you know th- these players aren't associated with the team anymore but this still brings a black eye to the program, no doubt. So, anyhow, there's that. And let's move on to the Supreme Court. So, earlier this week on Monday, the uh, Supreme Court adopted a code of ethics, historical, because this was the first time the court had ever done that. This came from pressure. They, they you know what? The public trust in the Supreme Court is possibly at an all-time low. And I, I got to say myself, when I started this podcast a couple years ago, and I really started paying attention to the Supreme Court, I just realized how political it was. You, you think, you naively think that Supreme Court is apolitical because it's supposed to be, right? But that, that's just not the case at all. It's very political. Right now, it's um, there's a 6-3 majority from conservative to liberal. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, whoever runs, whoever has the majority is going to get the Ws there. There were a lot of conservative wins with this current iteration of the Supreme Court, like the overturning of Roe v. Wade, some gun law stuff where basically they ruled in favor of uh, keeping your guns or carrying guns in public. A lot, of, a lot of conservative wins, right? With the conservative majority. Hmm. Makes you scratch your head. Anyways, so public trust has been at an all-time low. There was also some revelations about Clarence Thomas with his wife, with him 
hanging out on yachts with a big Republican donor. You know what I mean? Just, it looked like there were improprieties going on, right? So they adopted this code of ethics and so far it's uh, landed with a big thud. Very disappointing. Pretty much all the media I've seen on it, all the stories, everything just says it's a uh, weak. I, I took a glance at it myself. I'll put a link to it in, in the in the episode description, but um, mostly it's a uh, very vague. And most importantly, there's no indication of if a, if a justice breaks these rules, what will happen and who will enforce it. So it pretty much has no teeth at all whatsoever. So it's just really to placate the masses. Hey, you guys don't trust us. You think we should kind of change our ways? Well, here's a code of ethics. Screw it. Hope you guys are happy. And the, the court did have to come to a unanimous kind of agreement on this code, right? So the vagueness, according to a analysis by the Washington Post, kind of points out that maybe it's vague because they had to come to an agreement on it as well. And they don't want it being used against them, right? They're creating their own rules, which is another thing. I think, here's the thing, guys. I just think the Supreme Court is too powerful. <laughs> I really do think it is. You know, you, you can't, I don't even know what steps you could take to remove a justice. That seems pretty vague too. I don't know if that's ever happened in our country's history, but Anyway, so there's that. Not not too exciting. I won't really dig more into this, but I thought it was worth mentioning because it's it's a first for the court. But I don't think anything is going to change. The court's too powerful. Maybe uh maybe we do have to try to change up how yeah how the how the court is made up and how justices are appointed and stuff. Because the reason they serve lifetime appointments, as far as I know, is so that there's little political influence on it. But dude, that's that ship has sailed. <laughs> that where was the president when? one of them dies or steps down or whatever and has to be replaced. If that president's a Republican, they're going to select a conservative. If they're a Democrat, they're going to select a liberal. I mean, it's just the game, man. Just the game. So with that, with all that said, I don't think this any, buys any more trust in them. You know, I still think the trust is at an all-time low and possibly even lower because of this. <laughs> because they're, uh, yeah, they're just keeping an eye on themselves. Whatever. Let's move on. So there was an interesting cold case that... I feel like I should mention. I do like a good cold case, you know what I mean? So two people have been charged in connection to the 1988 death of a five-year-old girl who was found encased in concrete in Georgia. So the girl's mother, Evelyn Odom, who is now 56, and her former boyfriend, 61-year-old Eulister Sanders, were both charged with the murder of five-year-old Kenyatta Odom. Young Kenyatta was found, like I said, encased in concrete. She had never been identified up until this point. Earlier this year in January, the police received a tip from somebody who brought up Kenyatta. Apparently, this person, who was not identified, of course, had said that Kenyatta's mother, Evelyn, had said that Kenyatta had lived had gone off to live with her father. But this person had just didn't believe that. Well, they, they held on to that for 35 years, I guess. But they spoke up in January. The cops, uh, I guess, kind of put some things together and uh, made an ID and... Uh, Charged the parents. It looks like she was abused, that, that she was, that parts of her body were partially submerged in hot water and just, ugh, horrible abuse. Horrible. Um, I mean, just to dispose, not to own, not only to abuse and kill your child, allegedly, but to dispose of the body in such a manner. It's horrible, horrible. But like I said, I like a good cold. I like when things can be put together like that. But 35 years later, here we are with charges filed. And hopefully, if these are the, the killers, the, the people responsible for this death, hopefully they will be brought to justice. That'll be re- remain to be seen how strong the case is moving forward. This is just the beginning, of course. 
with cases this old, uh, I, I don't know how it's going to play out. I never really covered a case where charges were filed this much after the fact. So I, I might keep an eye on this to see where it goes from here. Actually, there was one in Albuquerque a few years ago. This this girl who was still a high school senior was attacked in her own home by somebody. And they just couldn't like badly, badly, badly. Like she, uh, I think, lost some motion in her face and stuff. Like she had some brain damage. And years later, when she was an adult, I think she was still in her 20s, like not like 35 years later, they caught the the guy who did it. They convicted him and everything. You know how they did it? This is why I like cold cases, man. I guess they, they must have got a tip that it was him or something like that. And he went to McDonald's one day and he threw away his cup. The cops went in there, got his cup, guess got DNA from it, and then tied the DNA to the house where the attack took place. So bang, bada, boom. There you go, charged. And the, the, the victim did have, I guess, somewhat of a connection to him. I guess he, I don't know, showed interest in her or something like that. So it was kind of easy to piece together once they had the DNA match, right? So he got convicted. And yeah, so that, that was a case where it actually did play out. But again, that wasn't like 35 years later. I don't know how this is going to roll out, but we'll see. We'll see how this goes, guys. Ooh, that was good. Oh, that was fun. It's, it's good to be back in the crime mode, man. This stuff is just interesting to me, dude. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why. But I don't know. I just like cover it. So with, with that said, I think I'm going to try to be more consistent. You know, as I say that all the time, Mr. Broken Promises over here. But, <laughs> you know, I think now that, I, now that I've kind of figured it out, guys, it takes me, sometimes it takes you two plus years to figure something out. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, I really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you to the Patreon supporters, Daniel, Tony, Andres, and Emily. I really love you guys. All right, folks, until next time, my name is Mundo, and I'm out. Peace.